Hi, this is Robert Fleming, partner in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. You're listening to Elder Law Issues, which is our weekly podcast. And you're listening to me along with my partner and co-host, Elizabeth Noble Rollins Freeman. Elizabeth, I thought um, today we could talk about something that is pretty unique to Arizona, although, as I'll explain perhaps in a minute, not completely unique, and that is a public office called the public fiduciary. Do you know anything about the public fiduciary? I do, Robert. I know that you used to be the public fiduciary here in Pima County when you were about my age. That's right. I was about your age. I hadn't thought about it that way. From 1981 to 1986, I did a five-year stint as the Pima County public fiduciary. And for those of you who might be listening who are not from Arizona, uh, Arizona has, has very few counties. We only have, what, 14 now, I think, or is it 13? 14, I believe. And they're almost all named after Indian tribes. And uh, Pima County is the, is the former name, the, the more common early name for what are now called the Tohono O'odham Nation. And, um, and Pima County is Tucson. There, that's more history than you actually needed to understand the public fiduciary. A lot of states have public guardians, public conservators, public administrators, but Arizona is unique in having rolled all of those functions into a single office, which they call the public fiduciary. What's your experience with the public fiduciary's office, Elizabeth, before I tell you more about my experience with it? Well, Robert, my experience is that many people have a misunderstanding about the public fiduciary and what the public fiduciary does. First of all, they don't really know what the public fiduciary does, and they make pretty broad assumptions that if there's a case where there might be somebody who is incapacitated and family is unavailable or not interested in helping, that no matter what the issue, the public fiduciary should be called and they will come to the rescue and solve every problem. And while I think our public fiduciary, his name is Peter Santini, is a fantastic guy, I can tell you something, Peter's got a very full plate and he can't solve every problem. And so I think that's one of the bigger challenges when we talk to people about the public fiduciary is most people see that position or that office as kind of a catch-all office for any kind of problem with an older adult. I think that's exactly right. And I can tell you from my years there that there was a, a misapprehension that maybe the public fiduciary had access to secret resources that nobody else knew about. So uh, if your uncle was confused and couldn't get into an assisted living facility because he didn't have enough money, well, the public fiduciary could probably scare up the money, probably get him on a program, probably talk somebody into taking him. No, if there's not enough money to provide care, the public fiduciary doesn't have any additional budget to provide care. If people are resistant to being managed, uh, because of their mental illness or their dementia, having a public fiduciary appointed does not change that reality. So, um, so it has a lot of limitations in what it can do. But that said, it is a terrific office that does a terrific job in organizing and managing the affairs of people who, as, as you said, Elizabeth, are incapacitated or, uh, or have become demented or are minor children in some cases sometimes. There's an issue of managing the money of minor children. Um, and, uh, and so the public fiduciary has been around since 1974 in Arizona 
as an office to handle some of those some of those functions. So the public fiduciary, Robert, could be appointed a guardian, be in charge of decisions about somebody's placement, medication, medical needs. But the public fiduciary could also be appointed a conservator, meaning that the public fiduciary would be responsible for managing somebody's finances. What about having the public fiduciary be in charge of managing an estate when somebody dies? It does all of those things. In fact, those are the three specific roles spelled out in the statute. And there's a kind of a funny, I think, historical story behind how those three roles came to be. Uh, And it involves Sandra Day O'Connor, who was the chair of the legislative committee that was considering the Arizona version of the Uniform Probate Code back in 1973. And, uh, and the hearings got done a little bit earlier than, than, uh, than, than they anticipated. And so she said to the judge, the probate judge of Pima County, who was testifying in front of her committee, so Judge Marks, uh, we have a little more time. Is there anything else that you wish we could do at the same time? And he said, yes, I, I would love it if there was a public, some kind of a public office that could serve as guardian conservator personal representative when it needed to be done. And she said, do you think you could write a statute for me? And he said, by tomorrow, I could certainly have it available. And the next day he handed in a statute and it became part of our uniform probate code adoption, which is how I can remember that the office was created in 1974. Sandra Day O'Connor and the late Judge Jack Marks created created the office, according to the story. Wow, Robert. And does the public fiduciary look for cases and I, we, can, we might use the word kind of target cases where there's a lot of money. Is the public fiduciary paid really well, Robert? Well, and that's exactly why we do what we do, because the answer is no. The public fiduciary has always taken the view that they would like to avoid getting involved in cases. And if there's enough money to pay somebody privately to do it, then it should be done by private industry. In fact, speaking of stories from the origins of the public fiduciary's office, the public fiduciary's telephone number was unlisted for the first three or four years of the office's existence in Pima County. They really didn't want to take additional cases. And after I did a five-year stint there, I figured out that there was actually a shortage of services for people who could afford to pay for them uh, that I could meet by leaving my government position and going out into private practice. And Elizabeth, that's a big part, as you know, of the background about what we do when we act as fiduciary in 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 our law office at, at Fleming and Curdy, it is uh, experience and training that I got at the public fiduciary's office and brought back into into private practice. So, Robert, would you say that the public fiduciary is somebody who is a public servant? Absolutely. Um, and by the way, uh, I, when I was there, I used to identify myself proudly as a bureaucrat. Um, It is a public bureaucracy. It is the very best kind of bureaucracy where they where they do uh, good work and um, and help improve the quality of people's lives. Though family members who run afoul of the public fiduciary might quarrel with that. But uh, but almost always the public fiduciary is is focused very closely on the Uh, on the best interests of the people for whom it acts. Well, Robert, I I have had nothing but really positive experiences with the public fiduciary here in Pima County, and 
when we consider that office and the work that they do and the work that our practice does, it really oftentimes goes hand in hand. We may have cases that we work on with them or alongside if a case is going to transition from the public fiduciary to our office or vice versa. And I think that when I talk to people about the public fiduciary, they often say, well, Elizabeth, you know, is, is there a reason that we want to have the public fiduciary work on our case? And my normal answer to that is no. I, I don't think that you're ever going to need that if you have estate plans and you're really well organized. People also have the, the question, well, if my daughter decides not to act, does that mean that the public fiduciary will become my guardian? And the answer to that is no. There is no rule or routine practice that if somebody doesn't step up to the plate, that that means the public fiduciary has to take action. And I think that that's often a, a kind of a misunderstanding that many families have, is if they don't help, that the public fiduciary will come to the rescue and, and solve the dilemma. So I, I usually caution people about making those kinds of assumptions. I also caution people, sometimes people will say, well, the public fiduciary, they're, they're really out for themselves. And, and I find that that's really the opposite of all the folks who work in that office, whether they're in the, the legal off part of the office or whether they're in the case management or accounting division. It's a bunch of very, very hardworking people who are public servants, and, and their eye is really on doing the very best that they can here in Pima County to assist with the states and help with people if they if they need help. So I, for those of you who have questions about the public fiduciary, I know that they have a website um, that's hosted by Pima County, and it is a pretty impressive place, Robert. They have a pretty big staff, and they do a lot of different kinds of, of work. Um, they've, they've narrowed some of the functions from the days when I was there. They no longer, for instance, handle the county burial program, For a brief time, I got to be in charge of the Pima County uh, Cemetery, the cemetery for for people who didn't have funds to to pay for their own plot, for instance. Um, They don't do all of those different things, those disparate things anymore. But they do have a website, and if you want to know more about them or you think you have a case that they ought to be involved in, you can contact them. They investigate cases and make decisions about whether they want to get involved. Um, and I'm going to give you their phone number if, you're, if you've been kind of hanging around saying, hey, that's, those sound like my kind of people. Uh, they're, they're, you can reach them at 520-7405, I'm sorry, 5454 is the end. Um, but, uh, but don't figure that you can just call them and they'll come and take care of your Uncle Henry. They won't. They'll ask you, don't you want to do this first? And, uh, and then you're probably going to be back talking to us again. Robert, one other question. I almost forgot to ask this. If you are acting under the public fiduciary's authority, are you collecting a fee for that work? Public fiduciary does charge fees. Most of the cases they get involved in, there aren't funds to pay them. Uh, I might have overgeneralized a lot of the cases. Maybe it's not most of them. Um, and so they don't always get paid, but they do keep track of their time and charge a fee. And by the way, one of the great misunderstandings is that if you need to get guardianship over your Uncle Henry, if you go to the public fiduciary, they will make you his guardian. No, they're not a law office that will take care of your legal problems. Uh, They will say, we'll be happy to tell you how to get to the Pima County Lawyers Referral Service and, and help you find a lawyer but we won't do your legal work for you and we won't 
uh, initiate a proceeding to get you appointed. We won't even do an investigation if you have if there's family who can take care of Uncle Henry. It's a great office, though, and I um, I have the very fondest of memories of of doing good works for a government agency for five long years. Well, thanks for your service, Robert. <laughs> I wasn't trolling, but huh. thank you. I think that's everything we need to tell people about the public fiduciary's office. Mostly it's a function of dispelling misunderstandings about the office um, uh, when, I, when I have occasion to talk about it these days. And that's what we've done today. And I'm Robert Fleming, former Pima County public fiduciary from 35 years ago. Astonishing to me that it was that long ago. Uh, a little bit more than that now, I guess. And I've been talking with Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. We are two of the partners at the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. And as always, we hope you will join us again next week. And in the meantime, feel free to send us your questions, comments, suggestions for topics you wish we would talk about. We'll talk at you next time. <music>